Man, go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given us. It's all from him. It's all for him. Uh, If you're here for the first, second, or third time, like I said on the video, uh, you should have been handed a connection card as you walked in. Uh, If you could fill it out in the next 20 minutes, we would love it. Uh, And then as soon as you walk outside, we're going to have some really nice people on your right before you get to the really, really good meat. Uh, And they've got a gift for you because you matter to us and you made this place matter to you. So we want to say thank you in a way that will drive you to Starbucks to get more sugar or more coffee to propel you through life, uh, however you choose to, uh, to order when you get there. So today, uh, we're continuing our series through the book of Luke. Luke is a doctor who really cared about details, and he was bankrolled by a rich guy named Theophilus to go learn everything there was to know about Jesus for the purpose of giving us something in his day, giving people, and now us 2,000 years later, something that we can hang our hat on and say, this is who I understand Jesus to be. He's the son of God. He is God with skin on. And he's also a personal God that continues to invite us, you and me, as we sit here today, invite us into relationship with him. Like I think about my life, I think about your life and all of us. So many of the big decisions that happened in our lives came about and we got to where we are now because of how we responded to invitations. All right, about 17 and a half, a year, 17 and a half years ago, uh, I started inviting a very beautiful girl that I knew uh, to do stuff with me. One of them, because I was so nervous of her, uh, was just the invitation that maybe can I ask you to coffee sometime. If you're taking notes on how to ask a girl out, you go with confidence. You don't say, is it okay if I ask you to coffee sometime? That is dumb, but it worked for me. Uh, so, so I invited her to, uh, to lunch one day. I ditched class. She had to sit through class because Anna gets really, really good grades all the time, and I don't. So when you don't get good grades, you ditch class. Uh, and she called me afterwards, which was the second greatest thing that happened that day. Uh, and, and she said, why weren't you in class? I said, well, because I ditched. It's science. Let's, let's just be honest here. Uh, sorry, biology teacher sitting in the middle. But uh, I said, how about instead of going to class next week, I take you out to lunch because class was canceled, and so it's not ditching if it's not there. Uh, and I, I said, in the invitation, can I take you out to lunch? And she said, yes, yes. Uh, A couple days after that, I said, can I take you to a movie? And she said, yes. This is a huge upset uh, in the world of dating, and I was very excited. This invitation over the last 17 and a half years has led uh, to to so much understanding and grace and growth and maturity on my part, Uh, and Anna got introduced to a whole lot of football. Uh, So it it works out for both of us really, really well. But what we're going to look at today is four invitations that Jesus makes to us, four invitations that Jesus places on our life, inviting us into life with him. And if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower whatsoever, that's perfect because we're having tri-tip afterwards, and if you get nothing else from today, you're going to go home with the full belly and you'll be really, really happy. But we're going to begin to see God's heart for you. We're going to look at the life of Jesus interacting with somebody who is totally imperfect. And the way that Jesus interacts with this guy in all of his flaws is the same way that Jesus looks at you and me today. We're putting ourselves in the story. We're jumping in and saying, what if we were there on the boat, on the shore, in this situation? How would Jesus look at you and me? And so we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 1. And the first thing we're going to see is that Jesus invites us 
into relationship. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Like, Jesus made lots of big speeches. Uh, he's, he's out on the water, so his voice carries because this is before microphones were invented, and he's teaching tons of people. But we don't really, we don't understand anything that he said because nobody wrote it down. The thing that Luke writes down is Jesus' interaction with the man named Simon Peter right after this. Because Jesus calling us into relationship isn't just this, like, 50,000-person stadium type of relationship. It's personal. It's one-on-one. And so Jesus gets personal with Simon Peter right away. And he says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Jesus had a purpose in arranging all these people to be there for him because he wanted to talk to Simon. He wanted to reach out to Simon. He wanted to introduce Simon to who he really was and who, his love, who he was going to turn Simon into. It's like he's saying, I'm here for one person. In the midst of everything else that God has control of, that God has to watch, that God has to make sure everything works absolutely perfectly because he's got it and he's in charge of all of it, he still has a heart and love and a mission for you and me. That with all 8 billion people on the planet, he knows us by name. He knows what happens yesterday. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow afternoon. He knows all those things. He knows us. And he's demonstrating this right here by talking to Simon. By, with, with all these crowds around, Jesus zooms in on one guy. Because that's what mattered. It was one guy. Jesus invites us into a relationship. It's this idea of connection. That we're not just here to look at the things that Jesus said and look at, look at the things that, that end up on Instagram that he says that is so great. It's the idea that God walks with us, that God sees you and me and what goes on in our lives and what he wants, what he's hungry for is relationship with us. It's this connection that, that gets us excited and, mo- and motivates us as we follow Jesus for those of us who are Jesus followers here. One thing that we're big excited about here at Mountain View Sunnyside is connection. So a lot of us have these Get Connected shirts on, uh, and that's because for the last few weeks and for a couple weeks more, we're going to do this thing called Connection Sunday. Nobody in here was wired to do life on their own. Everybody is wired for relationship. And that relationship, first off, goes vertical. It's between us and God. God speaks to us through the book that he wrote, the Bible. It's written thousands of years ago by 40 different people across three continents with one one mission, to tell us about the God who saves us. And we connect with God by reading the book that he wrote each day. If you're here and you're not in the habit of reading the Bible every day, my one challenge to you is to start reading the Bible. Yeah, at Mountain View Sunnyside, we have this thing called Shape Journals. It's where we journal about the book that God wrote impacting us today and impacting what we're going to face right after, we, right after we read it or what we just faced before we read it. And we call it Shape Journaling. And this week, we're going to have Shape Journal starter kits out at the info table. Uh, it's just a couple verses. It's some instructions. There's also instructions on the app if you've downloaded that. And it introduces us, okay, how do we think through the things that we read in the Bible? How do we grow this connection between us and God in a way that's going to impact our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Because God is here for relationship. It's not just here to say a bunch of things thousands of years ago, end up on grandma's Facebook feed, and, and just be done until he comes back with trumpets and, and the world ends and stuff like that. He says, no, I want relationship every day with you. 
So we, we build on that, and it goes from us to it goes to groups. As you head out today, you can sign up for 13 or 14 different life groups. These are groups of people between six people and 30 people that are following Jesus together in one specific direction. We've got groups for everything. We've got a recovery group. We've got a fitness group. We've got a guys getting up early and drinking coffee and reading the Bible group. A bunch of different groups all the way in between, and you can sign up for those. Because for us, life is better when we're doing it around other people. If you're here in junior high and high school, this next two minutes is just for you, okay? I encourage you to sign up for the exchange. You're going to think, I don't know anybody. I'm not going. This is a bad idea. Finish up so we can go eat meat. I want you to listen to me, okay? Because you're going through a period of your life where you're going to make decisions that are going to affect years following, even when you're old like me, okay? So you need people around you who are going to follow Jesus with you. And even if you're like, I'm just here for the meat or because the, the person who invited me is attractive, okay, you need people around you who are going to follow Jesus as an example for you. So I encourage you to sign up for the exchange. One of the things that you're going to see for the exchange uh, is uh, some postcards advertising a trip to Pismo that's happening at the end of the month. I was one of the architects behind that trip, and I loved it. My daughter started going on those when she was seven months old. Uh, She looked like we got the picture. Yeah, that's what she looked like. She's been to a bunch of them. She's now going for the first time as a student which means as the bus drives away, that picture is going to be in my head of that girl spending 36 hours at Pismo Beach with me being 160 miles away. But I'll get there in an hour if there's a boy who needs to get his face stuck in the sand. Can I get an amen from the dads here? Yes, that's right. She needs connection. You need connection. We need connection. And lastly, this is the one that you've already done, okay, because you're here. We model this connection between us and God as a church body because we're the representation of Jesus on earth. So just by sitting here, you're already doing one of the three. That's 33%. If you can bat 333 in the majors, you go to the Hall of Fame. So sitting here today, you're a Hall of Famer. Good job. Way to be here. But Jesus invites us into a relationship, and even just as a church, just existing as a church, we're modeling Jesus and his desire for a relationship with you and me. And if you're like, I don't do it that way, that's great for you. You don't understand. I'm different. Let's get on. Let's get to the meat. Next point's for you, 100%, because Jesus invites us in a relationship, and Jesus also invites us into doing life God's way. Jesus invites us into doing life God's way. So he finishes talking to all the people, and he says to Simon, you know, the one person that Jesus was there for, what does he say to him? He says, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. All right, this, this is a ridiculous request. They had cleaned up everything. There's this new guy who's a contractor and he's showing up to tell the fishermen how to do the job. He's not going to do the work. He's going to sit in the boat. The fishermen are going to do all the work. He doesn't have a relationship with them. He probably doesn't know what goes on in the lake. And he's telling the guys who are in charge, you need to do this. This is a ridiculous request. And so Peter says, no, we're not doing it that way. I'm not doing it that way. You think you're in charge. This is a better way to do it. If you're here and you're a Raider fan, like this is your life verse, okay? Because your whole week has been being mad at AB and mad at your coach and mad at your GM because everything fell apart for you guys this week, all right? You've downloaded a bunch of draft picks, and this is your Bible verse for the player that ran away. It's you saying to Jesus, you know what? Let's do it differently. I have a better idea. We put ourselves in the place of Peter to complain about the Raiders. It's good for everybody. 
But the thing about this, the thing that I see through this, is how good it was that the Bible was written by honest people. Because something big happens next. Something huge happens. And it'd be so great for, for Peter to say, you know what, from the very beginning I knew that Jesus was good for us. Uh, we, he jumped in the boat and our prophets just soared. But instead he said, no, 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 this isn't the best way to do stuff. Peter made himself dumb, look dumb. He allowed himself to look bad in the Bible because it's going to make Jesus look good. And what it shows us, what it shows me as I read this stuff, is that the God who loves us is going to let us get it wrong sometimes. The God who loves us after we've failed, after we've said, I'm doing, my, I'm doing this my own way, I'm doing my thing, he's big enough to let us come back to him after we mess up. He's big enough to forgive us after we make the decision that we swore was going to be right, and it wasn't. He loves us enough to let us get up, to let, us, to let him dust us off, to come back to him. I love that we get to look at, at Simon Peter in this. Because he grew from this. He blew it and then he tried again. This wasn't his only interaction with Jesus. In fact, he had some worse interactions with Jesus. At one point, Jesus looks at him because of the things that he's saying and says, I think you remind me of Satan right now. And Peter gets up and he allows Jesus to dust himself off and he continues to follow Jesus because Jesus is a forgiving God that invites us into doing life God's way even for the times that we get it wrong. And so what happens is Peter continues to put himself in front of Jesus and say, okay, I messed up again. I went back on what I shouldn't have done. I embarrassed you. I embarrassed other people. I need you to dust me off. I need you to clean me off. And then what did he do? Is he ended up leading the first church after Jesus ascended back to heaven. He wrote two books of the Bible. He gave his life believing and telling people that Jesus is the son of God. And when the Romans came to crucify him, to nail him on a cross the same way that they killed Jesus, Peter said, no, no, you can't kill me the same way as Jesus. Because Jesus is so much better than me, I want you to turn me upside down and then you can crucify me that way. He had given his life to doing life God's way, which means that he had given his life to understanding the fact that he is going to continue to fall every single day. But he's throwing his failures, he's throwing himself, he's throwing his identity, his self-worth on the fact that with Jesus, no one's a failure. He's throwing it on the fact that Jesus picks him up. And so he says, man, you're doing it wrong. This is not the way that it works. And then he puts his nets down in the water. And at this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. Because Jesus invites us into doing life God's way. It's not awkward for awkward sake. Jesus isn't just kind of hitting him in the ribs and saying, hey, you did all that work to clean up, the, clean up your net. I'm Jesus. I'm going to make your life miserable. I want you to do more work. He's saying, I've got a best for you that's better than anything you could imagine. You worked hard all night for something, for nothing. I've got something new for you. I've got a gift that you wouldn't experience if you don't follow me. And he invites us into his way of doing things. Thirdly, is Jesus invites us into a radical acknowledgement of our own sinfulness. Jesus invites us into a radical acknowledgement of our own sinfulness. Like, I look at this just strictly as a human. We take religion out of this. Jesus invites us in to radical acknowledgement of our own sinfulness. And, and this hurts for me because it means it requires us to ask for help. Right? I don't do that. I don't ask for help. I'll be doing something, Anna, because she's really nice, will say, do you need help? And since I have a pulse, I'm a man, and I'm not dead, my automatic answer is no. Like, I got this. I don't care if my legs are breaking under me. My arms still work, and I'm good. Um, we were at the building a couple weeks ago, 
which we're going to move into in a few months, and when we have a date, I'll tell you the date. Uh, but until now, every date that I've told you has been wrong, which is sad. Uh, but we're there, and somebody had left a shopping cart like in the middle of our field, and I've got zero tolerance for stuff like that. Uh, you can throw it away somewhere else. So uh, I get Tim and Greg, and I learned this week that there's a number you can call to have the city come pick it up, but I'm too good for that. I'm doing it myself, all right? So uh, I get the two of them. I get some rope. We stick it on top of my car, which is not huge, and it's definitely not a big old truck. Uh, it's, a, it's a Saturn that's older than my kids. And I drive it back to Ashland and Fowler and throw it in the dumpster, and it didn't fall off. So all of you who just laughed, ha-ha, one, me, you, zero, all right? That idea of I can do this my way, I don't need you, doesn't work in Christianity. It doesn't work with following Jesus. Is it fun to tie a, tie, tie a cart that weighs more than you do on top of your car and drive 50 miles an hour down Fowler? Yeah, uh, it's more fun than it got there. But I can't do that with my sin. I can't do that with the separation between me and God that I've caused by my decisions. And if you're not yet a Christian, this part's probably weird for you. Because what you know about Christians is that we're okay with the fact that we're a disaster. We're okay with the fact that we need help. We're okay admitting that we were lost and then we were found. That of everything in our lives that have gone right, when we stand before God, we still stand as, as sinners. We're okay with that term. We are bad people who have been made good by an amazing God. Because Jesus invites us into radical acknowledgement of our own sin. And this happens for Simon Peter. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, that the nets were so full of fish that he couldn't even pick it up, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that he had caught, as were the others with him, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were also amazed. Like seeing God's absolute power poured out in front of him reminded Peter of his own sinfulness. That if somebody who's this powerful and this great can make that happen after he, knowing what he's doing as a fisherman, got nothing all night, the first thing that came to his head was how far he is away from God. How his rap sheet up to that point, his scorecard, his life, his identity to that point was nothing but distance from God. And everything he had understood about distance from God to that point in his life was that God is totally holy and he was not. So he falls before Jesus, falls to his knees and says, I need you to leave because I'm too dirty for you to be around me. And Jesus doesn't move. Doesn't move. Because Jesus invites us into radical acknowledgement of our own sinfulness. Is Jesus who sees us in our brokenness, sees us in our sin, sees us in our, even if we won't admit it, desperate need for forgiveness and for empowerment and for help. And he runs to us. Jesus invites us into radical acknowledgement of our sin. It's his mission, what he says about himself early on in John 3, 16 and 17. It'll pop up behind me. It says, for God, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world. It's God's idea to send Jesus into the world, to, to see us in our brokenness, not coming on a mission to make us feel bad, but coming on a mission of love. Because God looks at every single one of us with eyes of love. 
always has, always will. It's not like we earn this. We don't change it. It doesn't go up. It doesn't go down. God always loved you. And he always will. And within that love, there is an honest love. God just didn't come as like some, some big first century care bearer with long hair and a beard and holes in his hands to make everybody feel better. He came because you and I are sinners. And as Christians, we understand this. We understand that our sinfulness brought Jesus to earth because Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission to pay the penalty that we created, the penalty that we deserved between us and God so that we could have a relationship with God. And so on a cross, Jesus allowed himself to be killed so that we could live. That's why Christians love crosses. If you've never understood it before, it's our picture that God loves us. It's our picture that we have separated ourselves from God. It's our picture that God looked at that separation. And like we sang in the song, that heaven puts on skin, comes down as Jesus, as God with skin on, to live among us, to live better than us, to give his life for us so we could have a relationship with God. That's what the cross means to us. It's the acknowledgement of our sinfulness and also the invitation to relationship from God that can only happen through Jesus and it happened all for you and me. Individually, it happened for us. And Jesus invites us into that radical acknowledgement of our own sinfulness and lastly, Jesus invites us into a life mission of pointing people toward him regardless of the cost. So Jesus replies to Simon Peter who just said, get away from me, I'm too bad for you to be near me. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Man, God, God sent his son in the world as a holy vessel to live among unholy people, to call holy people to following him, and then to use them to point to everyone around them that Jesus is for real and Jesus came on a mission of love for us. It's God calling us into purpose. It's God calling us into peace for the rest of our lives. God calling us into assurance that we matter enough to him that he's gonna put on skin and come after us to bring us into relationship with him. He says to Peter, you fish, that's great. Now I want you to fish for people. I want you to leverage everything you've learned about life and about me and about your history growing up. I want you to leverage that towards telling people that they are far away from God, that hell is hot, that forever is a long time. And there's a God who came on a mission of love because he wants a relationship, not with the better you, not with the you that you can one day turn into, but you as you find yourself here. Jesus is saying, I've called you into a relationship and I want that to start today. And so he tells Peter, I want you to give up everything and follow me. So he leaves everything. Leaves his job. Leaves his family. He leaves security. He leaves a predictable life to follow Jesus. And it changed everything for him. It changed everything for us because I didn't grow up in Israel. I've never been there. I'm not Jewish. But instead, the, the effects of that reach us today. Because people are willing to say, I'm giving up everything to follow Jesus. I'm saying yes to relationship. I'm saying yes to doing life God's way. I'm saying yes to admitting that I need help and that I am an absolute sinner. And I'm saying yes to giving up everything that holds me back to follow Jesus. And the invitation that Jesus made to that man on the shore today, he's continuing to make to us every day. Because he is on a mission of love that takes us where we are in our brokenness, in our mess, and says, follow me. Let's stand and pray.